All right, so I want to tell you about this one time I went zip lining with my dad. So my dad, several years ago, got us tickets to go to this zip lining place outside of Branson. You get to go do like seven zip lines, and they have all these suspension bridges, and it's, it's really fun. But the day we're supposed to go, um, we'd reserved our spot online, our time online, um, but they call us that day and say, so we've actually changed our times, but the website wasn't up to date, so we need you to be here an hour earlier. By the time they call us, it's like we need to leave like right that minute because we were at my parents' old house, which is about 45 minutes away, so we needed to like go. So we go and we get there. We do the zip lines, but they tell us um, because of the inconvenience, they're going to let us do the really big zip line for free. And normally that's like an add-on. It's not part of the regular tour. Um, it costs like 40 or 50 extra dollars to do this big giant zip line. So we decide to do it, but here's the thing. The end of the zip line, you end up on this tower that's 100 feet tall. The only way off of the tower is 100 foot free fall. And they ask you like five times before you get up there to do the zip line, do you understand the only way off of the tower is 100 foot free fall? There's no like chicken out, take the steps down. You have to do the free fall. They like ask you over and over again because you're stuck if you're up there. So we do it. And you're up there, and we do this big zip line. You're in, this har you're in all this gear. You have this big harness. You're clipped into these lines. You have a helmet and all these things. So you get up there, and they explain to you, you're getting ready to do the free fall. They have this, I don't know how this thing works. This is not how my brain works. But there's basically like a break on this free fall. So as you drop, you're slowing down so you don't like hit the ground at full speed. But it's like foam rubber at the bottom. At the bottom. So, but anyway, so they explain all this safety stuff. First guide goes down, so he's at the bottom waiting for you. And then the, the other guy that's up on the tower with us looks at me and goes, all right, you're up. Cool, I get to go first. <laughs> Sounds great. So, um, so he like hooks me in, goes over everything again, and he's like, all right, so here's what you do. You just have to keep walking. Like, don't like walk to the end and stop and, and decide if you're, when you're ready to go. He's like, just, just walk, just step off. You don't have to jump, just, just walk off the edge of the, the platform. Okay, easy enough, right? They've explained all this stuff. I've watched this other guy do it perfectly safe. I'm here to tell you, when you walk to the edge of a platform that's 100 feet tall, you, everything in your body says, no, <laughs> don't walk off a tower. <laughs> but they've showed us all the safety stuff, so your brain has to like override this automatic response that's like, this is bad, this is how you die. Um, and so we do it, so I do it, and it's great fun, and it was, it was a great time. So anyway, um, that was my ziplining experience with my dad. And that's what I was thinking about this week as I was thinking about the tour portion, which was kind of interesting because what I've been thinking about the last couple weeks is um, what Moses must have felt life, like at the end of his life. Um, and I've kind of like had been feeling a little bit sorry for Moses because he's like done all this stuff. He's like led the people out of Egypt. He's been before God, and he's gotten the Ten Commandments or the Ten Words, and he's, um, he's begged them for food and water when all the people are complaining. He's been mediating their disputes. He's been setting up the sacrificial system. He's done all this stuff. But this one time, he struck a rock when God said to speak to the rock. And because of that, Adonai says, nope, you were disobedient. You don't get to go in the land. I get it. There's more to it than just beating, striking the rock. But, but you get my point. He's, we're like, really, God, he doesn't get to go in the land. So I've really been kind of feeling for him. But 
But really what stuck out to me is that even though he knows he doesn't get to go in the land, he's been faithful to the end. He's invested in Joshua and Caleb. He has been exhorting Israel to know and to be obedient and do what Adonai says. Um, he's made sure they know what's at stake for their obedience. We've just had this, a couple weeks ago, we had this, this moment where they're on these two mountains and they're declaring, if you're obedient, you get the blessing. If you're disobedient, you get the curses. They know what's at stake and he's been faithful to the end in hopes that, that they will love Adonai and know him like he does. So what does all that have to do with ziplining? Great question. I asked the Lord the same thing. So remember when I said that before we went up on this tower, they asked us a whole bunch of times if we understood we had to do the free fall, and they explained all the safety gear and this break on this free fall and the foam rubber at the bottom. Basically, all of these things are there to keep us safe while we're doing something that my, my brain and my body are pre-programmed to say it will kill you. So what the Lord said is that that's kind of how he takes care of us. So I thought back through this whole story, and I saw the Israelites didn't have the manpower to um, defeat Egypt when they chased them out of, out of Egypt, and um, so God split the sea, and the Egyptians drowned. They didn't have food and water in the wilderness, so God gave them manna and water. They didn't know how to govern themselves and exist outside of slavery, so God sets up the sacrificial system and the judicial system. Um, they weren't going to have Moses in the land to lead them, and so he raises up Joshua and Caleb. When they go in the land, they don't have the manpower to um, defeat everybody that's there. So God's going to hand them over one by one, little by little. It kind of seems to me like God is setting them up to have everything in place to survive in these situations that should kill them. So we, see, we continue to see this. This is how the rest of the Bible works out. And then the Messiah shows up and brings the kingdom of God to the earth. And he sends us the Holy Spirit. So now we can live on the earth in the midst of sin and darkness and death and still be holy and see the light of Yeshua and have abundant life. And he's promised that he's going to come back and bring a final judgment that eventually leads us to a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem so we can be with him forever. So basically, there's a lot of things in this world and even sometimes things about walking with Yeshua that make us feel like maybe we're not quite so safe. But at the end of the day, his ways are not our ways. And he does give us protection to walk us through, if he's called us to it, to walk us through these situations that should kill us and be protected. So if he's asking us to do something, it's our job to walk forward and walk off the platform, so to speak, without hesitation and trust that, he's, that everything that he's put in place to protect us really will protect us. So let's just be encouraged by what he's done and look for what he's doing and trust what he will do. Because after all, Adonai, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth below. There is no other. Shabbat shalom.